This episode of the podcast is brought to you by From Within Records. Available March 16th, 2022. Seed of Pain, Champions of Chaos Reloaded. Mark your calendars for that. Statement of Pride and Beskar doing an East Coast tour March 23rd to March 26th, starting in Birmingham, Alabama, and ending at the First Unitarian Church in Philadelphia. So please, if you're in any of those cities, please support Statement of Pride, support Beskar, two awesome Pensacola straight edge bands doing it right these days. March 26th, First Unitarian Church from Within Records Showcase, the first of its kind. Eco Strike, the final show. Payback, it is what it is. Record release. Magnitude, Shackled, Simulacra, Worn, Burning Strong, Seat of Pain, Almighty Watching, Beskar, and Off the Tracks. If you haven't yet, please go grab a ticket before it's too late. It's such an amazing lineup of bands i'm so happy that from within records is doing this i will be flying out to philly i will be in attendance and i will be doing some other stuff so please support them support all the bands on the showcase it's a crazy lineup if you're not following from within records on social media boot up your twitter your instagram click that follow button and stay up to date on all the current news uh, the record label just teased a statement of pride t-shirt uh, earlier today on social media. It has me excited. I need more information. But to get all the information, you got to follow them on social media. You can thank me later. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us, an awesome label, doing awesome things. Next, Good Fortune Printing out of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. They printed all my collab merch that I had at FYA, which is causing quite a stir. Again, I reposted an image from the spread at the fest and I had a bunch of people hitting me up about uh, leftovers and uh, things are moving behind the scenes. Just uh, give me some time and I will get back to all of you about leftovers. There are some, uh, I, I will say that. So some of you asking, uh, just keep a lookout. If, if you care that much, things will be posted very shortly. But if your band, your business, your podcast, your blog, whatever needs awesome, high quality merch printed, I highly suggest you go boot up your Instagram, go follow Good Fortune Printing, DM them or send them an email contact at goodfortuneprinting.com. You can thank me later. Also, I've been forgetting to mention this on like the past like four or five episodes, but I am the co-host to... Another podcast, which is uh, insane, and I, I never thought I'd want to take on another one. I've been asked multiple times, and it just wasn't the right timing. But Josh, shout out Josh White from Florida. He hit me up and had the right timing, a great idea. So I was willing to uh, you know, take that co-host seat. I'm uh, doing this podcast called Give Blood Podcast. It's trying to bring together the two worlds of MMA combat sports together since there's this crazy link. And even today I'm finding out that people that I've talked to regularly uh, is doing jujitsu and people from back in the day, people that have unfollowed me are reaching out and refollowing me. Once they saw the Alejandro Wagner podcast, there's like, Oh, like how do you know people from 
PSF. That's awesome. And I'm just like, this is crazy because I never thought that we would get that kind of reaction to bring some of my old haters uh, back, which is awesome. I, I, I love the podcast. I love Josh's vision. So I'm here to uh, be on the podcast to support him, to support the podcast and to push it as far as we can. We just dropped an episode today, our second episode with uh, none other than Joe Hardcore, legendary dude. It, it, was, it was really fun and I'm having fun doing that podcast. So for anybody who's interested, for anybody who misses the MMA episodes, go listen to the Give Blood podcast and thank me later. Josh is awesome. I I, I love his ideas and where we're headed with this. It's, it's really fun. So just trust me. Go follow Give Blood Podcast on Instagram. There's a website. Uh, there's a Twitch, maybe a Twitter. There's things coming. Uh, uh, it, it's going to get pretty busy here. So just uh, um, if you care enough, go follow it. it. It's been a lot of fun. But on today's episode, I had to track down two of my good friends from Buffalo, New York. They play in an awesome band called Final Declaration. And this has been a long time coming. I have been wanting to have Ron, Evan, Donnie on the podcast to talk about this band in particular, but just timing, pandemic, just a whole bunch of shit getting in the way. But somehow we managed to make it work. And it was such a pleasure for me to finally sit down and talk to Ron and Evan. Like I, I know Ron well. He's been on the podcast multiple times, one of my favorite people in hardcore. I, I, I love talking to Ron, but it was, all, it was really cool for me to finally be able to sit down and talk to Evan someone who has a great mind for hardcore who has been doing a lot for Buffalo hardcore for a very long time. So I'm happy that he's able to be in an awesome band with some awesome tracks. If you haven't listened to line in the sand, their first LP hit pause, go boot up your Spotify, Instagram title, uh, Bandcamp, wherever you listen to music, anywhere, YouTube and go listen to line in the sand and uh, you know, thank me later because you're wow. Where's this LP coming from? I, I never heard of this, but but wait, there's more. Fight to survive. Their second LP is out now. You're listening to this podcast. Their LP is out now. They have a new single. They have a whole new record called Fight to Survive. So listen to that and then come back. So line in the sand. Fight to survive and then come back and listen to my awesome conversation with Ron and Evan. We talk about the band. We talk about Buffalo Hardcore. It's super, super fucking awesome. And during the conversation uh, with Ron and Evan, there was a, a mention of uh, Drew and Jin, uh, who have been involved in some uh, pretty brutal stuff. Uh, you know, these car accidents. And I am linking their GoFundMe page in the show notes. So for anybody who is listening, um, if you haven't already, if you're able to, please click those links and donate whatever you can. Drew and Jin could really use all of our help in these trying times. And I, I just want to do anything that I can to, to help them uh, because they're friends of my friends. And I just want to be able to help and get our community back on our feet. So my hearts go out to Drew and Jin. Hopefully you're able to get a speedy recovery. And I am very saddened by the news. So please, anybody who is able and can support them, they definitely need us right now. But strap in, enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, welcome Ron 
and Evan to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Ron and Evan. How's it going, guys? Oh, we're here living it up. National Pizza Day. Evan just made me a Domino's-esque pizza. Uh, So far, so good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, We're living. It's good. We we dropped the uh, teaser video for the record today, so that's cool. And, uh, yeah, we're just letting it ride. And for people listening, uh, you guys play in a band called uh, Final Declaration out of Buffalo, New York which I'm happy to have you guys on because I honestly feel like this is a long time coming because when I th- like think back to my first, um, you know, uh, memories of your band, it was uh, driving down to FYA 2020, uh, the the first record or uh, demo had just dropped and I told all my friends, I'm like, yo, shut up. My friends just put out some new music, like let's listen to it. And then we all listened to the, the demo straight through and I was stoked on it, um, but then it, it seemed like... Uh, your band was one of the bands that suffered from the pandemic, obviously because of the timing of the music dropping. Uh, so I'm happy that here we are two years later, you guys are still going strong about to drop some new music. Uh, and I'm, I'm just very happy that you guys are here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said it best, like, you know, we were, we were kind of just like riding the wave COVID shut everything down. Like probably like three weeks into it, we were supposed to go, play Wilkes-Barre on an awesome show with Reign of Salvation. Um, and who else? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was Reign of Salvation, I think Vantage Point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm blanking on the on the third one, but, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, our good buddy Dan uh, from Warren, he hooked it up, and then uh, we were on the brink of doing a bunch of stuff, had a lot of, a lot of shows lined up, and it just – you know, just like with everything else, a lot of bands, tours and stuff kind of just hit the wall for a while. And we were blessed to play one of the first shows back in Buffalo. I think it was the first actual yeah. like, hardcore show back uh, with, you know, some local talent, Smash and Grab on Edgewood, as well as Exhibition also on Edgewood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we I feel like we had a little bit of steam and, you know, just threw a bunch of water on it. Uh, around the second week of March. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like, we, we kind of created this band in secret. Um, like even most of our friends didn't know we were doing it. Um, like summer of 2019, we got together and, um, recorded the whole record. And then, uh, early November that year, Rotting Out was playing an off date of the Knocked Loose and Candy and Six Tier Guns tour in Buffalo and Mohawk Place. And we played that as our first show. And that was kind of when everyone became aware we were in a band, like the flyer dropped for it. And people were like, who the fuck is Final Declaration? <laughs> um, and that show was just like killer. And then we, we parlayed that into, I did a, a toy drive show for Terror. Um, they were coming out to play the Every Time I Die Christmas show. And so the night before we organized like a toy drive show with them and Wildside and a couple other bands, we played that. And then, um, you know, our record release show, 
um, in like February 2020 was incredible. And we were just kind of, you know, getting rolling and then the world stopped. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned the band was uh, created in secret. Uh, was there a special reasoning behind that? Or were you guys just wanted to not really uh, talk about what you were doing and just wanted to kind of just present people? Hey, here's this new band from Buffalo. Yeah, you know, so this is the first band I've ever played in. I've been booking shows since I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the first time I ever did a band and I was 28 years old at the time. Um, and kind of Donnie kind of had been pushing on me for like years to start a band and we, we looped Ron in and, and whatever. And um, so we just kind of got together and it was, we had no expectations at all. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of just like every time we'd get together, like they would write like two full songs, like just sitting um, and they just kept piling up really good songs. We're like, let's just record all of these. And what if no one knows we're a band and we just show up with an LP? Like, hey, we're a band now and there's nine or 10 songs coming out soon. And that's what we did. Um, it's kind of a wild style to like not put out a three song or like, you know, um, get some stuff under your belt. But it, it kind of worked out for us because it was just like, we're here, we're doing whatever we want. Um, and here's the music. Yeah, and I think uh, in, in terms of it being in secret, it's just, uh, at least from my perspective, I, I just feel like it's just best when you get kind of like, not even like a shock drop, but just like, it's just here, you know, all of a sudden like, oh, Final Decoration's playing for running out, who is this? And then you see it's Evan and Donnie who have been involved with the scene, you know, putting in 10 plus years. Uh, and I've been involved with Hardcore in Buffalo since around 2017. So, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to do it and kind of didn't want to make the moment necessarily like about ourselves with all this build up to, you know, a three song demo. And like he said, he sent me a text. I was on my way back from uh, Earth Crisis played in Philly with Eco Strike and All Out War. And he just shot me a, check, a text saying, hey, I know, you know, at, at the time, War Brother Means just kind of, uh, was at a halt and standalone was didn't really have too much plan um he was like do you want to start a band uh that sounds like 100 demons with me and donnie and that's the funniest band for him to pick for us to sound like because i don't think we sound anything not like even a demons little bit at all but yeah uh i i just the formula kind of has become for a lot of bands to drop like three or four songs and i didn't want to start you know like my fourth or fifth band in the last however many years at that point and jump out with that. I was ready to get to that next step with final deck yeah. and uh, the chemistry that me and Donnie had, like you said, we're just banging out two, three songs even uh, in a session. I mean, the night before we went and tracked the first LP line in the sand, uh, me and Donnie in like one shot wrote the song stockpile and like i rehearsed it enough the night before to go in and track drums for it which was like something i never thought i would do i'm so just like thinking about everything so much uh but it just felt natural with everything and as you know donnie is just one of those personalities that just uh kind of sparks creativity and really is a formula for something great to come from it when you get them in a collaborative effort yeah and and everything has been pretty natural with this band even down to like i mean i know ron's right the, the way it started was and don't get me wrong i, I celebrate the entire hundred demons catalog but i had been listening to the self-titled with pete a lot like on repeat 
And I was like listening to Destiny Never Came one day and I was like, oh, I want to start a band that sounds like this. So that's what, that's how it started. Um, but from there, like we never actually made any like conscious Hundred Demons influence. We honestly have never written anything from a standpoint of, oh, let's write a song that sounds like this band. Um, it's kind of just always been a very organic thing where there are very obviously like our influences and the things that we like um, are in the band. Um, you know, there's very obviously hate breed influence in things. There's very obviously foundation influence in things. Um, on the first record more so, there's very obviously like some of the mid early to mid 2000s metalcore, you know, there's like poison the well type references and things like that. But it's, it's always been a thing where we've never tried to force it into a box and say like, okay, let's write a record that sounds like this. Um, it's just kind of always been an, an organic thing that is just the, the melting pot of, of all of our collective tastes. And I really enjoy that because it never feels forced. And I think that's why, you know, we've been able to write so much music. I mean, like two LPs in now is like crazy for the length of time we've been a band and the amount of shows that we've played, but it's just like, it's not an exaggeration to say the songs literally flow like water. Yeah, I uh, appreciate the hard work that you guys put in and the choice to just come out with an LP right off the bat. Because w when a new band comes on the scene, right, it feels like, okay, there's like this process that um, this band has to follow, right? Demo, play some shows, get out there, then EP, and then try to gain more traction, and then come out maybe with an LP or another EP or a split. But for you guys to kind of just be like, all right, no, like we want to put out a full body of work, like right off jump, and just trying to have everybody kind of bond with that and get to know us that way. I, I think that's pretty crazy and very bold but i feel like you honestly with um the line in the sand i think you guys did a really great job with that for your first outing yeah i mean we recorded that like i was pushing 30 years old to my first band we had all these songs and we we had discussions like you know do we release like an ep with like three of them and then another ep with three or four of them but i was like i mean i'm not getting any younger donnie is you know a year or two older than me Ron's the young buck of the band, but like there could be a finite time on this, you know, like why sit on this stuff and have stuff maybe never see the light of day. Like we like it. We believe in it. Like, let's just put it all out there. And, and uh, I'm sorry, um, how much did uh, 2020 uh, kind of uh, change your perspective on that? Cause right. Like you, you have this mindset. There's not, uh, you know, uh, there's a finite amount of time for the band, right? Once the window opens, it's going to close at some point, but with having, you know, put out the first LP and then basically not be able to do a whole lot of like anything with it because of everything shutting down. Did that like kind of like push your guys's, um, you know, butts in gear and want to do more like when um, it was like, you know, available to everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's funny that you, you, you asked that cause I was literally going right there. Uh, we had almost like a loose timeline in our head of like, okay, we don't really want to make it about us. We just want to kind of come out, play a little bit in the scene, try and play some cool shows, uh, write these songs that uh, not only musically reflect our influences over the years, but also reflect our ideology and uh, our outlook on, you know, the greater world. And honestly, I, in my mind, I felt like Final Deck, after we put out that LP, maybe a year, we would give it absolutely everything our all. And it would be either, all right, we do it again, or it's just over. But as soon as 2020 hit, March, uh, everything shut down. Everything completely shifted. You know, we didn't have much to do. Uh, you know, we, we were 
generally safe about it, but me and Donnie would, you know, get together and try and write stuff just to occupy the time. And that's leading into how we got to work on Fight to Survive. You know, coming off of just putting out a, a full record, you know, eight songs, you know, you, you, not many bands next move is to, you know, play four shows and then write that whole next record. But when the world stops, you kind of, you take a moment to look back. So we just kind of to pass the time, you know, it, it was funny. He, he would set the amp up and the guitar on the opposite side of the room. And I would have the kit in like the corner and wear a mask and everything to get in. And yeah, it was just, it was a strange time, but we got together and put together, I feel, and worthy follow-up to, you know, a, a, as a body of work to line in the sand with Fight to Survive. Yeah. And, you know, like I tell people this all the time, um, you know, I've been generally involved in the hardcore scene one way or another for, you know, like over 15 years at this point. Um, when everything shut down, I found myself listening to hardcore, like in the car, driving, whatever, um, way more than I had in years. Um, and I think that's because there was like this void of not being in it live that was left. Um, whereas, you know, before it was like, there was always so much going on and so many shows and things that like a lot of times it was like, you know, I obviously like when new releases would come out, I'd check them out and I'd listen to them and whatnot, but like kind of just my general like day to day, I wasn't like driving around in the car, listening to, to hardcore all the time. But like when everything shut down and there was nothing to do and I was just like going for a long drive just to get out of the apartment, I found myself like, putting on like trail of lies and like punching my steering wheel driving probably too fast, um, which is something I haven't done in a long time. And so that sort of like invigorated me a little bit. And then, you know, end of May happens 2020 and not to get like, I don't know, quote unquote virtue signally or whatever, but like George Floyd got killed. And as we know, the entire country turned into a war zone downtown Buffalo is no exception. You know, I was like standing in the middle of downtown Buffalo watching like tear gas canisters fly and had like police, a, a police officer tried in a car, try to run over a group of my friends and I and my girlfriend. Um, and like that kind of lit a fire under my ass. It was like, okay, I need to start writing lyrics again now too, because the same things that pissed us off so much in 2018, 2019, that led us to create this band and the music that we did kind of just exploded back tenfold. Um, and, you know, that's that's what we do in hardcore and in music and as creative people in general, right? Like when when something happens, you, you create about it, you write about it. Um, so that just kind of like brought everything back with a vengeance. And I, I just want to go back to the first record. Uh, you did the cover art. I did, yeah. And I'm, I'm just curious. There's obviously like a, a lot going on, uh, uh, very political. Can you talk about what your inspiration was behind all that? Yeah, you know, um, the the original cover art um, was a little bit influenced by Excessive Force um, and their artwork, which is one of my favorite straight edge bands of all time. Um, but it was really just that, you know, that juxtaposition with, you know, using um, kind of the, the medieval Renaissance artwork and, you know, putting in obviously the burning cop car and the Capitol 
And um, it's kind of crazy how creating that artwork in 2019 and then not even a year later, it became like so relevant. We talk about that all the time. And it's, it's not just, it's not just the artwork. It's like the song cause of death, you know, like it's just this never ending cycle that never stops with, with humanity and with this country seemingly. Um, but yeah, so that's like the loose story behind the artwork. It was a little bit of inspiration and a little bit just uh, kind of being angry with the state of things, angry with the police, angry with the government. You know, we were in the thick of Donald Trump being such a fucking loser. Um, and that's, that's kind of what brought that artwork together. And out of all the buildings to choose, you chose the Capitol building, which is, I know. yeah, right. Because uh, obviously we all know what happened on January 6th. Yeah. Uh, that that's another whole insane thing, but yeah, just looking at that, I was like, wow, out of all the buildings uh, they could have picked, yeah, oh, that is, I didn't even think about that until right now. Yeah, it was a little prophetic almost. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, don't let QAnon know about that album art. They might they might run away with that. Yeah, we, we might we might end up on the Q app. <laughs> How do we know you're not Q? Hey, whoa, whoa! All right, well, I, I don't want to expose <laughs> you here on the podcast, but. <laughs> Listen, um, Q, Q is for sure that neckbeard who he and his dad founded 8chan. I don't know if you saw that documentary, but like, it's for sure that guy, Ron Watkins, like 100%. I never watched it. Um, I, I wanted to watch it, but I just, uh, I, I, I just been too busy. Uh, there's so many things that, that I want to watch, uh, you know, more than that. But yeah, I just haven't had time to watch it. Yeah, but it I know it's not it. as like, it's not as like infuriating as you'd think it would be mm-hmm. uh, because it's, it's like, it's difficult to be super mad when you've got like a guy like, in jorts in a trailer in new jersey like rattling off all this info like it just almost becomes like this like parody of itself and with your uh lyrical content the the kind of um album art you guys are doing uh obviously there's people who are going to be upset Uh, do you ever uh you know uh care about that or are you just here to kind of put your uh you know feelings out there and you'll just kind of deal with it if people have an issue you guys can talk about it listen this is what I sometimes people ask me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a friend of the band who is he's a, a career military guy later in life. Now I say later, like he's in his thirties. He become, became a Buffalo police officer. You know, he's uh, he grew up a poor black kid on the west side of Buffalo. One of those people that you know he eventually went to the academy because he wanted to like change things from the inside. Whatever. Regardless of my feelings on police. Um, you know, he's a longtime friend and he wears final declaration merch and rocks the music. So like if this motherfucker who is a career military man and now a cop is not offended by it, then nobody should be offended by it. And if they are, that's their problem. It's not ours. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like if, if anybody has like any real issue with the topics that you're covering or your lyrical content, they should start their own band. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, like, even if you're a person who, you know, supports the, like, obviously these like thin blue line idiots are not going to be rocking our stuff and nor do we want them to like, even if you're a person who like generally doesn't hate the police, um, there's still like a level of rationale for a lot of those people that they're like, okay, like I don't hate the cops or like, I don't hate the government, but I get it. Um, and like those people, it's like, you're cool. I may disagree with you ideolo- ideologically a little bit about the, you know, the establishment of, of policing in America and, and, and the, the reasons that it is utilized and weaponized against 
um, people of color and marginalized communities. But um, at the end of the day, like, as long as you can understand that the messages we're putting forth are about a specific group of people that we have a problem with, then like, it's all good. Okay. And I'm happy that uh, with this, uh, you know, first LP, there's a title track because sometimes I feel like that's a missed opportunity because it's kind of a big deal, right? You know, your, your first yeah. record, first full length. I feel like yeah. uh, uh, it, it's important to to either have like a the title track or like a, a song named after your band, um, either or. But when, yeah. when I see bands that don't do that for, for the first LP, you know, second, third, whatever, um, I don't yeah. really care that much. But just for some reason, I think the first one's very special. So I'm happy that you guys included uh, a, a title track. But um, can you uh, break that one down? Because I'm obviously really like that one. And I'm just curious about the meaning behind that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the first line being the only walls you build are in your fucking mind like it's pretty clear what that's about who's that that's about um it was on a surface level about donald trump um but it's also very much so just about anybody who um is so stuck in their ideology that they can't see what's right in front of them that people are suffering people are hurting that humanity is um, kind of in a death spiral and uh, you've kind of either got to get with it or you're getting left behind. Hell yeah. No, I, I, I love that's it. That's the proverbial line in the sand. Yeah, definitely into that. I, I definitely appreciate that. And um, for you guys, uh, off that first LP, do you guys have a favorite song that you like to play live? I mean... Uh- so obviously like I, I like playing uh you know cause of death just because it's just such like a it, it was such a simple track but the lyrics have a lot of meaning and uh that's just kind of one that a, a lot of people were drawn to personally my favorite song to listen to is the last song in the lp final just because i it just really ties in kind of all of these elements that we presented on the lp in like a nice wrapped up bow uh that's my personal favorite. Yeah, and that song too is kind of like Ron and Donnie's opus, like at least of the of that songwriting period, because like that is a song that it almost like spans like three genres. Um, like it starts as a very fast, you know, typical kind of fast um, two-steppy hardcore song, and then it transitions into this middle portion with like a you know a talking portion reminiscent of like we were talking about like the the poison the well the the early 2000s metalcore and then by the end of the song it's just a full-on mosh track so it's kind of like a a sonic journey on that song and i know that like don and ronnie are really proud of the writing on that and i am too so and i'm curious uh, for that track titled final you guys uh, weren't uh, on the fence about just going final declarations i know it, it says it in the song yeah, I see. We we were thinking about it, but um, I don't know. Like, I, ju- I just like the idea of it being the last song and being called "Final" because it, like, lyrically, uh, it's it's about kind of the uh, almost like existential crisis that you might have, and like, is, does your morality like val- like view yourself as living a life uh, worthy of this? afterlife that you you see yourself see for yourself you know with christianity or what, what have you 
um, if, if you're not a good person morally at the end of the day, you know, when it all comes to an end, uh, w- will it have been worth living for? Uh, so I just think it, it just kind of balances that mentality of somebody potentially approaching death. So I think final was more of an accurate title than final declaration. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely the final declaration, like mosh part. If, if for some reason, like any set that we play, we're at least going to play that portion of the song, if not the whole thing. Yeah. Like that, that, you know, we always either end with that or like sometimes what we've been doing lately is this like sort of this, uh, like almost like a mosh medley, like where we'll play like a song and then ending like into a mosh part from another song and then ending with a mosh part from finals just so like three mosh parts in a row kind of just this one <laughs> song to end um and it's kind of crazy um but yeah that that song is just it's lyrically metaphorically musically it's just it's kind of the 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 cream of the crop of the songwriting on that first record i think and uh speaking about your songs like the length of your songs are you know typically longer than your uh, normal hardcore band do you guys uh, are, are like obviously you guys are aware of that but um what when you uh, try to uh, you know uh, curate a live set um do you try to you know because you have to pick less songs because you guys you know obviously longer songs less songs you can play live versus like the the set times um how do you decide to pick between the two lps because that's a you know a lot to choose from two lps yeah i mean um, we've only really played the, the singles we put out, uh, since coming back with shows mm-hmm. off of the second LP. And even that just playing these, you know, two songs kind of makes picking the set hard because we feel so strongly about all of these tracks. Uh, you know, I, I legitimately don't think there's a weak one in the bunch. Uh, there's definitely a few that we've noticed get like kind of flat reactions or not the reaction we would uh hope for so we, we kind of don't we don't play them but uh my ideal set would be to play everything but nobody wants to watch a 40 minute hardcore set yeah please god no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i will straight up never play a 40 minutes yeah no ever it, yeah that how they take a break in between little intermission that yeah is, that, that in my mind long. the only time a hardcore band should ever play for that long is if it's their last show um and even then it's like it's dicey then like I, f- I feel like 30 minutes is usually like should be like the hard cut off and most most of the sets that we play are like 20 or under mm-hmm. um and it's yeah you know now we have this this second lp and there's these songs and we're gonna have to start making decisions on that but we also like never have like disagreements over the set list either it's kind of like we all believe in all the songs that we've written so much that it's it's kind of just like everyone's cool with playing whatever out of them right yeah like uh we'll be in the group chat just like oh what should we play for you know whatever the gig is and uh like say like donnie will send a proposed set list i'm like man how are you not gonna put cause of death in there like that's that's the song and it's just like we just feel like we have so many like concrete tracks not you know not trying to humble myself here a little bit <laughs> but there I, it's I don't think that there's a set list that you could create with all of our songs that doesn't have a flow just just from the way that they're written um and trying to find the best one feels like an impossible task so it's just like 
whatever we feel the most strongly about that week, that'll probably be what we end up playing. And like, obviously too, the, the other thing about it is every song that we record, we like, um, so we're cool with playing everything because we like all of it because why would you put out music that you don't like you know like if you get to the point where you're putting out stuff just to do it um then you've run your course you know like we we truly believe in everything that we put out and uh you know you'll never catch us writing filler songs i guess is what i'm getting at and I appreciate that because I've talked to a bunch of bands over the course of me being in hardcore and I'm like, Hey, how come you don't play this song? And it's just like, Oh, we don't like that song. And I'm just always so mind boggled. I'm like, how, like, first of all, this is like, I'm a little offended because it's it, like, I'm asking about like my, one of my favorite songs. And then they're telling me like, Oh yeah, we don't like that one. Or, and sometimes I get it. You know, people grow up and a different mindset. Maybe they just hate playing the old stuff, but it's like, come on, like, uh, you guys yeah. obviously created that you guys have uh you know should play it at some point uh, mix it in because i've seen like you know so many bands play like the same set list year after year and i'm like geez mm-hmm. this is why i don't even care when you you're you're there live i'll just uh you know stand in the back or i probably won't even watch because like i've seen the set list like over 100 times i'm like geez sw- switch it up play some yeah. you know get some deep cuts because people listen to the records and i like i just love the set list but it's like mix it up Especially if you play a lot and you've been around for a bit, right? Yeah, you know, like a perfect example of this too is uh, and is of believing in in what you put out and liking what you put out is um, you know terror. Pretty much every set they play, they play your caught, and like that is Scott one of Scott's favorite terror songs, if not his favorite terror song. And there are a lot of people who straight up do not like that track because, you know, it's because it, it, you know, it sounds like a suicidal tendencies track kind of, you know, it's mm-hmm. sing songy. Um, it's anthemic. It's not, it doesn't sound like a terror track, but like they play it because they like it and they wouldn't have recorded it if they didn't. And I, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. And shout out Scott Vogel. Great guy. Uh, president of hardcore, but I, I'm curious what, I, uh, have you felt the effects of having him back in Buffalo? uh yeah a, a little bit honestly um you know he's at pretty much every show that That's he awesome. can at least obviously now that you know like terror's back on the road and he's doing some um you know some world be free dates and some other stuff like that mm-hmm. um you know he's, he's on the road a little bit terror's over in england with knock loose right now but um yeah you know he's scott's the kind of guy that uh wherever he is at the time he's kind of just trying to be like a community organizer for hardcore. Um, so that aspect of it is awesome. Like he's, you know, buried alive is playing more shows again. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's going to shows, he's pushing all the Buffalo hardcore bands on social media. He's kind of just really, uh, you know, assimilating back in really quickly. And it's, it's, uh, it's good to have him back here. Yeah, he's someone I truly respect because, as you know, as, as popular as he is, as accomplished as he is, he's still really down for hardcore. I remember there was a a, a local band from your area uh, who I'm friends with, and I reach out to him. I'm like, "Hey, there's this new band from your area. My my friend's playing it. Like, can you check them out?" And he responds. He he tells me, "Oh, I'm going to their first show." Like. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't. That's cool that that he's willing to make the time to go out and see newer bands, especially newer local bands, when he could easily just kind of write it off and not support. But for him to to have responded that way, I'm like, damn, this guy is really on it and loves hardcore and truly supports it. 
Yeah, I had a similar experience recently. Um, pummel and slug. Pummel from from um, from Boston, Boston. and mm-hmm. slug from Cleveland were playing here, and I had texted him um just like hey you know the show's going on like these bands whatever like you think you dig it and he texts back are you accusing me of being washed up i know who they are (laughs) like that's awesome perfect man like great and it's yeah i i feel the exact same way about scott and terror um and and how they operate and i felt the same way about every time i die as well obviously buffalo hometown heroes where those are two bands that a pretty much toured like 10 months out of the year for like close to 20 years, never stopping. And also would kind of just take all kinds of tours. Like they would, you know, do one tour where they were support for like some huge, like metalcore act. And then the next tour, they'd be headlining and bringing out younger hardcore bands. Um, and kind of just really, you know, terror terror did that tour where they took knock loose out on tour with them, but they had knocked loose headline over them. And a lot of the, the older heads in the scene were like grumbling about it and terror standpoint was the young kids are coming to see knocked loose like why would knocked loose not headline especially because if terror headlines then a whole bunch of people leave before terror plays and i i really respect that level of understanding of the dynamics of the scene and what gets young kids going and wanting to expose young kids to that newer music the same way with you know every time i die took knock loose out they played like 70 shows together in 2018 or 2019 i think they were just touring together all the time they started taking vane out um you know they they did a tour where they took out um harm's way and eternal sleep um so I, i really have respect for these these bigger almost monolithic bands that transcend hardcore into for better or worse the term mainstream mainstream aggressive music mainstream heavy music but still are not too cool to you know play a a show in a hundred cap venue or a house or take out younger hardcore bands on tour i'm curious uh, how did you guys react with the whole every every time i die uh you know uh, i'll say drama online because uh, i i saw them trending on twitter i'm like oh like why is uh Eated trending and then i went and kind of like started reading and i'm like holy shit this is insane and obviously like i don't know any of them yeah. personally so i'm like i don't even know who to believe but this is just crazy to see one of the biggest bands uh in our bubble kind of go out like that because that's something that i would have never yeah. even guessed i um I'm not going to say too much about it because I've had a front row seat for a lot of it. Andy is one of my best friends Mm -hmm. um, in the world. Um, But uh, to keep it short and sweet, there are, uh, there are four people involved who are really good people and who never wanted it to come to this. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is, another person and some outside forces um that may or may not be pushing things in very toxic uh very draining directions and uh you know that's a band regardless of how it ended um you know they started that band when they were you know 19 years old ish and they just toured for 22 years straight without stopping um they just put out this record that like might be the best record they've ever made um as their i think ninth 
LP, which is absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're a band that never felt like they overstayed their welcome. Everything always felt fresh. They always felt like they were doing it for the right reasons. Um, They even, I mean, I, I, I say this all the time. You want to talk about like lack of egos, you know, when they would tour Europe and stuff, sure, they would be on a bus or whatever, but their, their general like year round touring in the United States, they would still run like sprinter vans and trailers like and, and get hotel rooms rather than blow all their money on a tour bus because they were like practical about things. And, you know, there are bands that make far less money than them with far less notoriety than them that cannot wait to start rolling a tour bus just to look cool and look like rock stars. And um, every time I die, I never did that. They were never rock stars about anything. And they have consistently um, put on for hardcore bands, for Buffalo hardcore, for music in Buffalo in general. Um, And, uh, you know, the Buffalo scene will always be grateful to them for that. It's well said. Uh, Shout out to ETID. There'll never be another band like them. Uh, But going back to the first LP, I'm curious about the recording process because, uh, uh, you know, you guys recorded with uh, Nick and then got mixed by Taylor Young and then got mastered by Will Killingsworth. Uh, I'm I'm curious why um, you guys did it that way and not just kind of do it all in one place. Um, uh, So Donnie has a pretty good relationship with Nick. Mm -hmm. uh, And previously I had only really recorded with Jason Bricky at GCR. Um, and you know, not, not really to, to compare or anything, but I, I was, I was willing to take on a new experience and, uh, track with Nick at the time he, he was running, uh, his studio, um, you know, basically in a basement and it was nice and soundproof and all of his own gear. Uh, it was nice and cozy and, and set up, uh, kind of like a, a real DIY way. Yeah. Um, which granted us the opportunity, you know, I went in and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much like a grid when I lay down on a drum track, I, I can retain it pretty well. So I had that solid foundation for Donnie and, you know, uh, Donnie is a fairly busy man with, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his career. Um, at the time he was juggling a few different things. So to have set studio time was, uh, a little bit kind of out of the, out of the question for the time being. And with Nick, he was similar. He's kind of like a, a part-time thing with tracking. So they would link when they could. It really took about four months to get everything tracked between guitars uh, and vocals and everything. But uh, the end product is just a lot of Donnie's like creativity, some of the ideas on like guitars and, and like doubling and things like that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have that time so uh it was very free to um freeing in terms of creativity to work with nick and i i'll hand it over to evan here he he just had a relationship with uh taylor personally as friends and uh this being his first band wanted to kind of get one of the heavier guns on it to to mix it yeah you know i um you know taylor taylor is a close friend and um obviously there's not really anyone doing it better in the scene and the genre right now than him um you know he's kind of has his hands on most things that come out that are good um 
And it was one of those things where, you know, we were getting this together and I, I hit him up and I said, hey, like, hey, doing a band, like, I would really love your guidance on some stuff and would love to have you mix it if you want to. And he was like on board and sort of gurued the band in, in a couple things with a couple like creative decisions and stuff and like how to record certain things so that when he mixed it, it would uh, work out better. Um, yeah. And he just, you know, he took it and ran with it and made it sound, uh, made it sound pretty insane. Um, the, for, the sound of like from the raw recordings to Taylor's final output, like you honestly wouldn't think it was the same band. Um, he just like went crazy with it. And then uh, getting into the mastering with Will, Ron had a, a previous relationship with Will from Selective Aggression, right? Yeah, so like everything I did up to that point was, you know, Selective Aggression, Standalone, War by Other Means, uh, was all basically mastered through Will. Uh, so I figured to keep the relationship going, he's uh, over at Dead Air Studios. You know, he did the Once Up Closer EP for me to you. He tracked everything on it. Um, so I figured it was, it, was a, it was a pretty good dream team there. Uh, which I, I'm happy with the sound um, that we got on the first LP. But uh, when, it, when it came time around for the second one, you know, we just kind of felt a little bit more in line to kind of lean towards Jay at GCR. Just, again, expand the horizons and uh, send it over to uh, Brad Boatwright at Audio Siege for the mastering, but still keeping the big gun Taylor on, on the mix. Okay, and getting to the the newer songs, that uh, time in between the first LP uh, dropping and then the you know uh, uh, subsequent releases, I I'm curious, uh, what was the, the uh, mindset for you guys? Were you like, all right, uh, the year is, is kind of a wash, can't do much. Here's 2021, hoping for things to open up, right? Uh, it, it did for a little bit towards the end. Uh, do you guys have any goals for 2021 or were you guys just kind of going and just kind of uh, winging it and seeing how things were going to play out? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like we, we started recording Fight to Survive in uh, November, 2020, um, right around Thanksgiving. Um, and like Ron said, you know, we did it with Jay Zubricki who, um, shout out Jay, um, made the most recent trail of lies record and is like a longtime recording engineer working on every time i die um and he's at at gcr audio which is um actually owned by robbie takak from goo dolls um so it's kind of like hallowed ground in buffalo music um and we got in there and ron um knocked out the entire lp drum tracks in like one day right yeah one one, one, eight, one eight hour session knocked out the whole lp on drums and then donnie got a little guitars going the next day and basically we got the bones of two or three songs recorded and then everything had to close down again um you know we were like two or three sessions in um and one of donnie's jobs is running a, a covid testing site um that ron also works at and my girlfriend lauren work at works at and uh so he was kind of just you know neck deep in covid stuff so it was kind of like as we eased into 2021 um it was like 
February started coming around, we're like, okay, like maybe we can start picking back up with this, you know, talking to Jay, when are we going to get back in the studio? And then like March of 2021, we got back in the studio. Um, and we really just, I think first and foremost, just wanted to finish what we had started. Um, like in March of last year, like I didn't have any preconceived notions about what the rest of the year would bring. Um, is that true for you too? Yeah. I mean, at, at that time I was so uncertain, you know, I'm trying to juggle so many things because I had, uh, coming off of releasing whatever it takes was standalone. And uh, like, I think we pushed it to July of 2020 uh, and just seeing, you know, uh, to no fault of our own, you know, it just kind of fell a little flat, you know, similar to Final Decoration, we had some steam with standalone going in to 2020 uh, and it just all kind of, you know, went down the drain with the year turning. So. I was a little um, apprehensive about, you know, going all in on an LP again. Um, but the songs that me and Donnie had been jamming throughout the summer um, had kind of, you know, boosted my confidence quite a bit. And I felt strong about going in, getting these tracks out. In my mind, you know, the session with the drums went so great. It was, you know, following election week and everything, I was like, we can get this out before January and we could probably drop it on <laughs> like Biden's uh, inauguration. And I think in terms of like the like lyrics and stuff that we laid out on the new LP kind of reflect where we were at that point in time and nothing's really changed. It's just everything's ever so moving with, you know, what's prevalent, but I feel like everything in general still rings true today uh you know lyrics that are about two years old now almost in some instances yeah i mean even just from the point that we finally got to finish the record um this thing has been mixed and mastered since towards the end of summer 2021 right yeah like the last week of july we yeah master yeah so like we are truly approaching like almost a full year like you know a year and a half since we started tracking it and like almost a full year since it's been totally done just just sitting on it um but it's like everything we talked about on it is is uh still just as relevant and i mean that's you know it's an unfortunate commentary on the state of affairs of how timeless these messages are right because we'd love more than anything for some of these songs to feel outdated content wise um because that would mean that we had somehow gotten over some of these hurdles as a society but um as we know we haven't so you know they still just pack as much of a punch as they did when we wrote them yeah it, it would be great for these songs to be like a retelling of history and not yeah. not be super relatable present day especially since uh you know you mentioned that these or that the record was um finished at the july 2021 um yeah. but i am curious with the you guys dropping the single stone ghosts and the live in the basement uh for the portion with live in the basement uh, did you guys just have that in your back pocket and we're going to do something else with it or yeah, um, why did we you guys have that so we recorded that um early june 2020 mm. um and it was in that time period where there was like 
you know, there was no shows to play, obviously, you know, bands are doing the live stream stuff, whatever. Um, the world was collapsing around us socially. And we were just like, let's just get together in the basement and like record a mini set of these songs that are now, you know, a year old, but unfortunately have come full circle again. I thought yeah. that was for like from a show or something. That's crazy. I didn't know you guys just got together to, to, to uh, just record well, those songs live. The original idea, my friend uh, from high school, um, Tank is his nickname. His name's Jacob. He uh, was putting together like a like a local like live stream showcase, and he asked if like we could put something together. Um, and you know, we didn't. We're a hardcore band. We don't have any like music videos or anything, and we only played like uh, four or five sets at that point. Um, and you know, we we did wind up on Hate Five Six, but you know, I'm not trying to you know take Sunny's content and send it over to this guy for. A stream and you know everybody was fairly bored and uh relatively healthy and um we just got together uh we had uh, our great friend drew stark who um came and recorded everything for audio wise uh and uh brett balacino yep. uh, recorded the video aspect and edited it um and put together uh, honestly, something that's great. We were contemplating releasing it, but it, this was around the first week of June of 2020, which the landscape was shifted from, you know, personal attention to this pressing matter after uh, George Floyd was murdered. Um, so I think, you know, there is a video of the set, but at this point i think just having it as like a b-side to the first single is is plenty fine for me yeah we we kind of like consciously made the decision as of as a band um we were gonna drop the the video of it and with the way things were trending and with the uh, obviously very worthy um amplification of black voices and black creativity at that time um, we were kind of like, okay, let's like let this take a back seat, not put a spotlight on ourselves. Let's continue using our platform to just amplify the black voices that need to be amplified right now. Um, and then it just be kind of kind of became a thing where it was uh, just hanging out for us. And as long as Ron just mentioned it, um, you know, like you said, Drew Stark recorded um, and mixed it. You know, Drew plays in candy and wild side and i'm sure you're aware and a lot of people listening to this podcast are aware was involved in a really terrible accident um in los angeles a couple weeks ago hit by a car and has a really long road to recovery um and he's one of our closest friends and if you're listening to this and you're able to um please consider donating to both the gofundme for him and for Jin um, to help with their medical expenses because they both have really long roads ahead of them yeah, and the two tragic stories. So yeah, for any, anybody listening who um, uh, can and is willing, please go seek out those GoFundMe's. I'll, I'll post the links in the, in the show notes. For, so for anybody who wants to, they can uh, go donate. Because yeah, that's really uh, you know terrible to hear about those two situations, and hopefully they are able to get back and be healthy soon. Yeah. And um, it, sorry, going back to, to that live footage, uh, maybe in the future, CD, DVD put that set out i'm sure people want to see it so some cool basement footage 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, it was put up in that stream, um, so I guess it's kind of just like a one-time deal of seeing it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I always liked that idea, you know, uh, growing up when I was a kid, a lot of uh, CDs had that. It was like dual-sided. One side was the CD, the other side was the DVD of like behind the scenes. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to do like a some kind of monster behind the scenes uh, featurette of the record, but I think you know, some type of physical media, honestly, bootlegged version of it, like on one of those like burn DVDs. I think that'd be a cool idea. Yeah, I'll, we'll give you credit on the insert on that if we yeah if we put it to fruition. We'll definitely line up royalties for you. <laughs> I just think back to because uh, I, I love Fallout Boy, so they did yeah. mm-hmm. they did this. Um, it's called a, "My Heart Will Always Be the B Side to My Tongue." Um, so yeah, very familiar. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. of all time. Yeah, so I, I want bands to do cool stuff like that because that's what I you yeah. know, grew up and I watched like that DVD countless times. Yep, I uh, did too. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm glad you're familiar. That's awesome. There, there was a band, No Pressure. I saw video footage of the, um, excuse me, video footage of them covering Fall Out Boy in New Jersey. Yeah. It seemed like not a lot of people cared. I would be pulling my hair out doing some crazy what stuff. What song did they play? Yeah, I'd tell that Mick, right? Are you serious? No yeah. one reacted. There were some people singing along, but I think for a Fall Out Boy cover, I thought more people would be going crazy because I know they're going to do it. The, uh, they're playing out here um, in uh, yeah. next month at, at Chain, and I know it's going to go crazy in Chain for that cover. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe people were. Uh, they also covered Floor Punch that same set, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I, th- I feel like maybe the word got out there covering Floor Punch, and then when Fall Boy started, people were like, what the? Fuck? Yeah, so <laughs> this, is, this is a little bit of like a tangential Buffalo music history thing, but uh, easily the coolest show I've ever seen, and one that lives in infamy for Buffalo, is uh, there was a show at Mohawk Place, which is where a lot of historic Buffalo hardcore shows have taken place. Um, I, right around Thanksgiving, I want to say 2007 or 2008, um, where Four Year Strong was playing. Um, but then the headliner just said special guest Shroot Farms, as in like a, an office reference. Uh-huh. And what that was, was it was Fall Out Boy playing Take This to Your Grave front to back. No way. Um, kind of, they were already on like basically like arena band level big obviously because like at that point like we'll take this year even from under the cork tree been out and i think infinity on high was coming out um and yeah they played take this year grave front to back in a 300 cap dive bar and then ended the set covering pantera walk with keith buckley singing um and that and it was like it was a secret thing where like if you were in the know you knew that shroot farms was going to be a fallout boy set um, and I was fortunate enough as a, a teenager to have a ticket and be there for that. And uh, there's there's videos of it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them really poor videos, but it's it's worth checking out because it's just like kind of a crazy Fall Out Boy thing. Yeah, to this day, I'm still mad at my mom. I was in high school and uh, I, I lived in this. Well, my parents still live in the same neighborhood, just different house. But it, like it was just like just, just a giant grid, right? So um, my house was like at one side of this block, and at the top of the block there was this girl that I went to high school with. Her name's uh, Vicky Dominguez, and she knew that I, I like like emo and hardcore. And she she came up to me at school and she was like, "Hey, my mom's taking me to see Fall Out Boy and Matchbook Romance. I know you like that kind of music. Do you want to come?" So I asked my mom because I, I was a kid. I was a teen, like I was a teenager. Right? I couldn't just leave. I didn't drive. So I, I asked my mom, I'm "Like, hey, this girl wants me to go to the show. I really want to see this band." And my mom at the time 
didn't know what uh you know didn't even know that i like that kind of music right guitar music mm -hmm. so and then she also didn't know uh that girl or her family so she's like no i'm not gonna let you go uh to this uh go out of town with these random people to see this band that i've never heard of and to this day i was so mad because i, I missed out on that era of fallout boy i had a chance to see them in like you know the early 2000s uh, yeah. and i missed out but then like i didn't see them till maybe like maybe like 2016 2017 i saw them wow. at yeah I, I saw them in an arena with black bear and i was like, this is so weird like, this is not how i wanted to see fallout boy for the first time but i was like i still haven't seen them i was like i have to go every time i die played a few dates of that tour oh really out east yeah they played like five or six days of that tour um yeah, you know, th those early days of Fall Boy, and like, I had Matchbook Romance, I haven't thought about that. What, Little Monsters was that song, I think. Mm -hmm. um, like, that stuff, I, I used to jam all of that stuff, and I, I still do jam some of it, but yeah, Fall Boy is just like, and even seeing them now, like, what a live band, you know? Mm -hmm. They just, even if, even if they're recent records, like, a lot of the music is not generally what I would want from them. Um, their live performance is just insane. And uh, obviously, you know, Andy is still involved in the hardcore scene, um, you know, playing in, in Race Trader and Sect and, and what have you. Um, and I even find that on like the recent records, there's at least usually like a song or two that uh, I can really get down with. Um, so I appreciate that. But yeah, just that band's, that band's an all timer for me. Straight up that, that song America's sweethearts that's on folly Do. Like I could care less about the rest of that record, but mm. that song. It's good. And, yeah. Everything up to folly. I'm yeah. down for when they came back, Dude, even they the, lost me. I, the track with Elton John is not just because it's Elton John, like it's objectively good. And also like, think about that, like a pop punk band, formed by a bunch of hardcore and metalcore kids put out a song with Elton John on it. Yeah. That's that, crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. But it, it also kind of shows like uh, you can break out of this bubble that we're in. Obviously there's other bands that show that I, I talk about bands like code orange, turnstile, vain yeah. trash talk. Got to pay respect to trash talk. Um, yeah you can go as far as you want uh so yeah it, 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 it's kind of inspiring but yeah my, my thing is nobody nobody should be too cool for anything and i have a really big problem with with people who um get upset when bands like turnstile or code orange or whoever um kind of shift outside of like the traditional hardcore box that they were in previously um because all they're doing is opening up this scene that is given so much to so many of us to whole new groups of people who would otherwise never know about it. And that's objectively a good thing to me. 100%. I was at FYA uh, 8 and Turnstile was setting up and uh, me and my buddy uh, we're kind of looking around and we're just kind of like wondering huh i, I wonder if they're going to bring out any of those like zoomies managers you know you've seen that meme yeah. people uh kind of uh, uh curious and not yeah. really stoked that they're bringing in these all these outsiders 
and I saw this, uh, this, uh, the, these two people eventually found out their brother, sister, but I, I just kind of, uh, uh, kind of tapped the person on the shoulder cause they were blowing vape smoke in my direction. I'm like, yo fam, like chill with that. But I was like, but I'm curious. I'm like, how did you find out about turnstile? And then, uh, they're like, Oh, my, my brother showed me turnstile. Like this is like our first time seeing them. And I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. Cause think about it, we're, it was 2022, their first time seeing turnstile and, yeah. uh, the, the history that they've laid before like all the records and shows that they've done to get to that point i'm like damn this is crazy that they're bringing in new people that are willing to come out to something like foia yeah. to, to see them live because they could easily just uh, pass and waited till they came through on their own headlining tour yeah but i was like oh this is pretty awesome that they're uh, bringing in new people who um, obviously like their music they're hopefully gonna uh, you know be curious and check out the other bands that were playing and right. uh, you know turn somebody into a, a new hardcore fan that's all it takes I, I'm I'm only chuckling because I'm thinking of somebody who literally went to FYA just to see Turnstile and they had to watch a C4 set. <laughs> oh, I love that band. C4 is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's just did Turnstile play the same day as E Town Concrete? No, no. no. Yeah, see, that would that would be <laughs> like imagine you're just like you know some like early twenties like just kind of general like you know. normal person who's going to see this band turnstile that's like the cool like indie punk aggressive thing and like you're just in the middle of seeing Eton Concrete like that would be that's great that would be incredible yeah and and shout out to turnstile because uh you know out of the two FYAs that I've been to and uh watching headlining bands and seeing the room clear out but to see how many people stayed to watch turnstile especially on the last night of the fest uh and after that long of a day to see that many people stick around and that room still so packed for their entire set i was like yeah this band um, obviously they are special they're doing awesome stuff but to, to see them be able to do that in that environment i was like this is this is cool those people in that scene that they come out of are just special because if you think about it like trapped under ice did the same thing for a lot of years obviously didn't make the like mainstream leap that turnstile has but mm-hmm. like Trapped Under Ice was, you know, from 2007, 2008 to like 2011, 2012, like basically everything that went on in hardcore was because of Trapped Under Ice. You know, like Mm -hmm. people were dressing a certain way because of Trapped Under Ice. People were starting bands that sounded like the style of hardcore that Trapped Under Ice was playing. And like, it's not like they had the benefit of trends behind them to begin with because they showed up in a period of time when we were very much in the middle of like black vans black jeans flannel hardcore um you know death wish stuff like you know converge and black breath and all this of which i love all of that stuff too but like all of a sudden here showed up trapped under ice in like camo cargo pants and tims and like baggy football jerseys and just playing this like knuckle dragger hardcore basically um, and kind of just changed the entire scene of uh, hardcore and heavy music for a lot of years. And now, obviously, some of those people have parlayed into being in Turnstile, which is doing the exact same thing again, even, just even on a bigger level. It's, it's kind of amazing what that group of people from Baltimore has blossomed into. 100%. Cause, and you got to mention, too, that 
coming from the Baltimore scene, th- that's not the most hype up scene, right? It's not the no. LA scene or the New York hardcore, Boston hardcore. They obviously they, they have a history scene, right? Awesome bands have, have come from Baltimore before them, but for them to kind of uh, put the whole scene on notice, and you're right, they changed hardcore, uh, you know, the, the entire thing when they came out and were active. And I argue that when they were around, uh, you know, Secrets of the World, uh, they were the biggest hardcore band. And I feel like they could have gone just as big as Turnstile if they wanted to, but I, yeah. I felt like they made a conscious choice to kind of take a step back and do other things. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, because you know, Angel Dust is still uh, popping, doing stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, their guitar player Sam Trapkin. I, I, I hope yeah. he's doing well. I hope his family's well. Uh, but I, I, I love Trapkin Rice. I, I still listen to that band to this day. Uh, I, I know a lot of people uh, enjoyed Heat Wave, their, their, their last record. I'm hoping uh, we can get another one, but uh, you know, uh, who knows at this point. Like- Big Kiss Goodnight is like that came out in an era of hardcore that in my in my mind is one of the best eras of hardcore in general. I mean, you had in a couple year span, you had Keepers of the Faith, you had um, the first Rotting Out LP, you had Big Kiss Goodnight, um, you know, you had the first Take Offense record. Um, you just had so much like game changing music oh. coming out title fight was active in that era. title fight title fight was then you know so that that run of like 2009 to like 2012 like the volume of amazing like foundation putting out stuff that you know putting out the lp then that that run is just like it's crazy and like keepers of the faith and big kiss goodnight specifically kind of like rising to the top of that um and you know, Big Kiss Goodnight was like it was such a polished sound for hardcore. Um, Justice and everyone else in the band have been very open about it. That like part of their writing process for Trapped Under Ice is they all love radio pop and they wanted to write hardcore that was like hooky and catchy, like radio pop, um, which I think translates to Turnstile too. Like both TUI and Turnstile, like I think part of the reason for their staying power is because their songs are earworms that get stuck in your head because they're catchy like a pop song and like you know i guess nobody else would really think to do that because i think a lot of times in in heavy music and aggressive music a lot of people feel like they're you know too macho or too cool or whatever for um for for pop music but like the reason that pop music is so popular is because it's it's accessible and it's catchy and 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 it it stays with people so um Mm -hmm. respect to them for for doing that even when it might have seemed like a, a strange choice i'll never forget Saturn Fury 2011, I was up front um, at the Earl Warren Showgrounds. I was up front watching Trapped Under Ice. I was like, I'm not going to mosh. I just want to enjoy the set live. And I don't know what it was. I just kind of felt it in my bones, and I could not just stand there and watch that set. Yeah, I just went crazy. I was like, this is fucking amazing. This is just, yeah, just the vibes that they brought. It, 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 it is so crazy and i'm happy to have been able to you know been around for that time and be able to experience that band you know through all their different eras uh but yeah, yeah one, one of the uh, you know great bands and that feeling that you described is part of what has always drawn me to hardcore and part of what i think we hope to accomplish with our band you know obviously having no delusions about getting to that scale but just like being a band and fostering a scene where there's like an anticipation for kids when sets are about to start. Like I, I want to be part of something where um, kids almost can't help, but not stand still, you know, mm-hmm. man, I, I appreciate uh, like anybody who takes pride and where they come from. 
and yeah. I'm honestly being friends with Ron and knowing how much uh, you guys love your scene, I, I think that's really important. And for you guys yeah. to, to put on and to want to uh, create something to, to showcase uh, your area, I, I think it's really cool that you guys are doing that. Yeah, and at this point, like, Donnie and I are two of the, like, users in the scene, you know, and, like, Ron and the the people his age are, like, the, the young bucks that kind of brought it back because we, you know, we had the funeral home, which was kind of a legendary venue for Buffalo for a run of like five years. Um, you've probably seen videos on YouTube of sets of the funeral home, like everyone from TUI to title fight to ET to earth crisis, like everybody played there literally in an old funeral home. And then when the funeral home closed down, there was a period of time where there weren't many shows in Buffalo and there weren't really local hardcore bands. And then like people, people Ron and people his age kind of started doing bands and, and, uh, that regenerated the scene. Yeah, like you know, like Nick, Brett, um, Stenzel, Greg, um, even Young Mason uh, really put a lot of work and effort into building something that's sustainable here in Buffalo again. Uh, you know, just hearing even at a show, just things that or packages that even considered coming here, especially fresh off the pandemic. Uh, it's 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 great to to, to hear because. Buffalo really is a, a, a hidden gem of a city. And, uh, you know, I, the people who say anything, you know, gnarly about the city in terms of it not being good or anything, obviously uh, we're only here for an hour or two or they've never been here. So yeah. I, I think we, we just, I want to build a community or be a part of a community rather that just is open to new people and accessible to anybody that, is able to, uh, you know, know of his existence. Um, so, you know, I always got to put on for my city, uh, in my second city, Syracuse as well, very similar vibe there. Uh, hardcore scene kind of took a, took a bit of a dive for a few years, but young people like Lucas, young people like Colin, um, you know, Dylan, Sam, all doing all that they can to try and build it back. So I, I it's seeing two successful cities on the rise it's just great it's great to be a part of it and getting back to the music uh you put out that song stone ghosts which is mm -hmm. featuring a stallings uh, yep. he sings in mad uh, sentinel has his own podcast form of passion yep. I'm, I'm curious when you put out that song did you have uh any other songs completely recorded or was that the first one you guys had done and how did you oh, land on ace as a feature um Question one, at the point that Stone Ghost came out, the, the whole record was done. Mm -hmm. um, th it was already done, mastered, mixed, mastered, everything. Um, how we landed on Ace as a feature, um, Ace is one of my closest friends. Shout out Ace. Shout out the whole city of Richmond, Richmond Hardcore. It's like a second home for me. Um, Buffalo and Richmond kind of fostered a, a deep connection um, over the years, which you know led to things like Candy existing and stuff like that um but it was you know we had written basically the way that came about was um i had like said like ah oh, it, it's it's a, a great name for these confederate statues to call them stone ghosts because like that's what they are they're they're ghosts they, they're not living anymore they don't matter um and so we wrote this song about it and we knew that we wanted to get some friends on the record to do guest spots. Um, 
this time around and it was kind of just a no-brainer to have ace on that song because obviously richmond has been like embroiled in the center of um i hesitate to even call it a controversy because tearing down confederate statues shouldn't be controversial in any way it should just be common sense but unfortunately is a controversy that's what Mm -hmm. it is um and you know ace is like ace is there living it right in the thick of it so it just kind of made sense to have him do that and what was that like for him to to get on the track? Did he just record um, locally out there in Richmond, or did he go out to you yeah, guys? Yeah, he went into um, he went into the studio there, and Sam Dyerly, um, who you know uh, has you know played in Breakaway, played in Brace War over the years, kind of played a bunch of Richmond bands, and does a lot of um, recording and engineering there, and also is the the producer on on Form of Passion. Um, so they just, I, I think they actually did it. Um, either before or after an episode of Form of Passion one day, like when Ace was already going to be in the studio doing it and just knocked it out. I love Richmond Hardcore. Shout out my friends in uh, No Other Way, Vegan Straight Edge. Yep. Great yeah. band. Dewey? Uh, yeah, I, I love Dewey, uh, Jamie, uh, Charlotte, yep. uh, great people. Yeah. So here we are. This episode is dropping the, the day your record goes live. And there will be that that new single featuring Brody King, which is yep. another great feature because I'm I'm a huge fan of his. I I love God's Hate. That that band is amazing. So I'm curious uh, how you landed on him as well because obviously I, I know there's the connection to Taylor Young. So I'm sure he's not that far from that circle. Yeah, you know, ironically, so we knew that we wanted to have Ace do a song, um, and. I'd asked Taylor if he wanted to do a part on a song. So there's a song on the record that Taylor does a guest spot on also. Um, because I, I think Taylor is very underrated as a vocalist. I know that he, he hates fronting a band more than anything, but mm-hmm. with great rules. Yeah. Um, Go on. So uh, I like... Th- this is a disgrace hat that I probably oh, wear from time to time. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to get a little bit of that on the record. And then I had said something to Taylor. I was like, hey do you think that um that nate that brody king would like want to do a spot if i asked him and he's like yeah probably so i just i texted him and was like hey you know we're doing this record taylor's gonna do a guest spot ace is gonna do one like would you want to be on a song and he said yeah absolutely um and then the way that it came together was kind of amazing because um obviously as i'm sure you know nate is a very accomplished professional wrestler um and he semi-recently did the thing that a lot of professional wrestlers do and moved to Georgia. Um, and it was like the night before he was leaving, he was like going over to Taylor's for dinner and Taylor texted me and said, Hey, if you can have Jay send me an emergency rough of this song today, we'll record this tonight. Um, and just like get it done early because otherwise logistically it was going to have to be kind of be a thing like to wait until he was back in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, kind of just like before they had dinner, he just like did it. And, um, I'm excited for everyone to hear it. I think we collectively, uh, Taylor, before we even got the track back, Taylor had just like sent us an iPhone video recording of his computer, just like playing the part. Um, easily that could have wound up my Spotify wrapped that alone. Yeah, I was, I was so yeah, happy. I, I probably sat there and played that like 10 second clip, like a hundred times in a row. Um, because it's just, it's nuts. 
Yeah, no, and it's a it's a great song, and I'm uh, hopefully uh, you know by this point people had checked out the single before they listened to the podcast, so hopefully they will have already enjoyed it. But yeah, that, that that's super sick. I, I'm uh, very stoked for you guys to have been able to to land that because that that that's a really yeah. cool feature, uh, and I like the song. So that, that, that that's a really cool story because he had to cut it that close and because who knows I'm imagine if he you know moves and then just there's no time for it and then that whole yeah. idea just gets scrapped. Yeah, and the man's you know he's 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 all over the you know he's he's taking pro wrestling by storm. Um, yeah, literally that week we got that video back from Taylor, and I'm watching season two of I Think You Should Leave, and Brody is just uh, part of that bit. Uh, from one of the episodes and I was like what the hell like how did he squeeze us in it was it was yeah. just this is a super surreal moment yeah and he even I mean he he took it so far as um you know we had like had a rough idea of the lyrics for this spot but he he like kind of put his own spin on the lyrics and like added a couple of things to it so it wasn't like a just like canned like he just like formulaic like did what we wanted like he actually like put some effort in it mm-hmm. um and, and some of his own spin and soul into it. Um, and I really appreciate that because, you know, like, you know, he's, he's my friend. I love the guy, but like, he didn't have to do that. Um, so shout out Brody King, shout out God's hate, obviously. Um, yeah. I would say the same thing, honestly, with Taylor spot on the record yeah. too. It's, it's on one of the later tracks, the path. Um, it, like we sent him just a super rough idea. And uh, what he sent back was a million times, better than what we could have come up with uh that just comes with experience and just kind of expertise in the genre of all things heavy so like having taylor on again for the second lp uh it just kind of became more of like almost like a working relationship with like Mm -hmm. us and him like we had so many ideas and uh we're kind of throwing everything we could at the wall and he was like let's scale it back a little bit let's try and cut some of this out here yeah you know so really taking the producer approach even with trying to help build the actual track listing of the LP, which I had something dead set in my mind. This is exactly how it's going to go. And, uh, you know, hearing him out, because obviously you get advice from uh, yeah. someone like that, you obviously are going to gonna take it. So Yeah, Taylor straight up basically came up with the track listing of this record. And he and Jay have worked together on a handful of projects, you know, even though they're obviously they're on different coasts, um, mm-hmm. he and Jay have had a working relationship for a few years now. Um, so it was one of those things where kind of, even when we were in tracking with Jay, like Taylor was looped in and in the know about things and, um, providing suggestions kind of, kind of all the way through. That's super awesome. Yeah. And the, the fact that Taylor Young is on the record is uh, amazing to me because I'm a huge fan of disgrace. I, really wish that that band uh you know went on to do more but i i have that hat which i wear proudly and then i have a shirt somewhere but i don't know where the shirt is i, I think it might be at my parents house if i'm being honest because i have like all this all the shirts behind me but then i have like a million more at my parents house just sitting in tubs that i plan to bring out in 20 years to feel cool yeah. but <laughs> who knows who knows we're not there yet we'll we'll, we'll figure yeah. it out but yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan of that band and i'm very happy that you're able to uh you know uh, have him be on the record and uh, not just um, you know uh mix it so that, that's super cool feel feel very is feel very fortunate it was very um i guess a very humbling thing to have 
these three friends who, you know, have been doing it big for years now um, and are kind of really accomplished musically to all be um, not only willing, but excited to be a part of this record in that way. And the name Fight to Survive or Fight to Survive, excuse me. uh, Where does that come from? That's just what we're all doing every day. (laughs) Basically, I think that's that's what our, our current state of being is fighting to survive. Okay, I, I guess I was getting a little too deep about it because I was thinking about your band. Uh, obviously, been around for a, a couple years, but haven't uh, been able to do a whole lot. So I was like, oh, maybe they're fighting to survive. I mean, that that plays into it though, <laughs> yeah. right? Because like that's that is a byproduct of everything that goes on in the world. Like mm-hmm. you know, we as people are fighting to survive every day. As a band, we're fighting to survive. As a band, as a nation, we're fighting to survive. As a nation. Um, it, it kind of touches everything. Yeah, and I, the title track, Fight to Survive, I mean, the phrase, Fight to Survive, is sprinkled so much on the record. I think there's more songs that have that in the lyrics than not on the track listing. Yeah. Uh, but the actual title track, Fight to Survive, uh, really kind of, at least how I took it when I was you know, working with Evan on the lyrics, was uh, how he felt um, basically on those days where um, all these people are doing demonstrations and you know the police are coming down pretty hard on people uh, in retaliation these people are literally just fighting to survive you know an exchange with a police officer or you know trying to fight to survive through their uh hardship like evan said everyday life with you know growing up in a marginalized community growing up in poverty uh, you know having that kind of preset bias against you just because of the color of the skin that you were given or the religion that you were raised into. So I think um, it's, it, it it is a little bit deep, but it's also not that deep, you know, just uh, doing what you can to get through the day, fighting purely to survive against uh, an oppressed, uh, oppressive uh, oversight with the uh, current governmental landscape and uh, nearly police state that we almost approached at that point. And I'm, I'm curious, this is being released uh, with a sore ear collective. Uh, I'm curious how you guys landed with them and wh- where's that relationship? So uh, Jared, who runs sore ear um, is actually one of my oldest friends at this point. I, I grew up um, in this portion of Western New York called the Southern tier um, in this, you know, little like borderline podunk area. Um, it's actually one of the top 20 poorest counties in the nation. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very redneck. Um, but somehow there was like, of, of all the towns around there, there was like a general scene that somehow came out of things, um, of like-minded people. And Jared was from a town 15, 20 minutes away. Um, so I've known Jared now, I think I met Jared when I was like 14 years old. Um, so more than half my life at this point. Um, and he lives in Rochester now, operates Sawyer Collective. Um, and he had actually approached us around the timeline and the sand was coming out about wanting to do something together and, and things just didn't align with lying in the sand. Cause he had, he had other things lined up at the time. It was kind of a full plate and, and we weren't really sure what we were doing with it. Um, and then, um, we got fight to survive together and, you know, we knew we wanted to try to shoot for a, a physical release with it. 
Um, and we played a, a benefit show in Rochester for, for an old friend um, in what beginning of September. Um, and Jared was there. We had talked about it a little bit, um, but he was there. And after the set, he was like, I'm all in, like, I want to put this out on vinyl. Like, let's do a promo tape. Let's, let's put out the record. Let's do it. This is awesome. And that's just kind of, uh, you know, how it came about. Yeah. And, uh, personally a goal of mine, you know, as a kind of sewer of vinyl records, uh, to have something that I've written and worked on pressed, uh, truthfully, like a, a dream goal. That's like, if, if, I, that's the one thing that I truly want to accomplish before I kind of bow out in hardcore. Because, you know, not everything is forever, but just having that, I think, is worth it for me. So, uh, you know, we, we're obviously the worst possible time to put together an LP to be pressed to vinyl with the shortages in terms of labor and also the plant burning down uh, that basically controlled like a third of all vinyl production um it was just a a nightmare trying to get it together with with anyone and um you know we to being honest and frank we we're trying you know with a record of this scale we have these guest spots the production we feel is great we're confident about these songs and you know we're trying to push for a physical release um you know we, we we're trying our hand with a number of you know big not big but you know notable current labels and hardcore and you know i don't blame any of them for you know not really giving it the time because they kind of couldn't give it the time that we were looking for yeah a few people were kind of like hey this is awesome and i'd love to put it out but like we're backlogged right now and don't know when we're going to be able to get caught up because of the pressing issues and shortages and um you know, Jared kind of came riding in and was like, Hey, I want to put this out on Sorier. Like I have a line on vinyl pressing that we can kind of circumvent a lot of the shortages. Like, do you want to do it? And it was like, it's, it's like, you know what, like at that point, like Jared is a close friend and like w- what better scenario than that, than like to have like yeah. one of your lifelong friends be like, Hey, I want to press your record on vinyl and put it out. It, and it was just one of those things that we had, uh, you know, I hadn't even really like processed really in terms of, uh, Oh, Jared did want to do something after line in the sand. Um, I, you know, I just, it didn't come, it, it didn't ring to me to be like, Hey, I should, we should talk to Jared, but he, we talked right after our set at that benefit show. Uh, and, it was just, it was natural. It was, you know, literally a dream situation for us. You know, it's it's going to be a smaller press. I believe only a hundred are being made. So it kind of potentially be a one-time press as well. So just kind of get it if you can. Yep. Uh, and, you know, we'll just, I'll definitely have mine uh, for my collection, which is yeah. uh, what I'm mostly concerned about. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel like, uh, you know, keeping it all friends like evan has said we're talking about all these people that we've included on the record it's not just you know people were trying to get into it because they're uh you know notable or anything uh it's just le- legitimately these were evan's friends and in, in hardcore that he just reached out you know kind of for a favor uh to help bring this piece together that we we're yeah. working on and everybody 
was on board, gave 110% effort, and I think it reflects in the music as well. Yeah, it's really a community record. Like, you know, Jay had recorded bands for both Donnie and Ron previously, and like we've known Jay for years. Um, and then even like, you know, the, the kind of one quote unquote outsider, Brad Audio Siege, running on mastering like that was because you know he has a like sort of a an a to b working relationship with taylor and and taylor brought him into the fold um so everyone that's touched this record is either a close friend or a close contact of a close friend um so there was like no there was never anything to worry about with this record right like we knew that it was in good hands from from top to bottom everything when I look at the landscape of Buffalo hardcore, I see a bunch of other bands being really active, right? Uh, you know, traveling, playing shows, other states, doing a lot of local shows. Uh, did you guys consciously just kind of fall back because you wanted to wait until the record uh, "Fight to Survive" comes um, out? So we were we were super active from like June to December, right? Mm-hmm. Like we played that comeback show in June. Um, we played Rochester, we played Syracuse, we played Cleveland, we played Connecticut, um, we played Buffalo again twice, and we played Toronto. Um, and that was a lot in a short period of time, like in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of like, after December, we were like, okay, like, let's, let's chill for a couple months, put the record out and come back in the spring. Okay. Cause yeah, cause I, I knew you guys had that show coming up in March. Yeah, with your you're the knife missing link restraining order um deal with god deal with deal god, with god. Yeah. oh uh, yeah i didn't know restraining order was like that show but that's that's awesome yeah that that kind of came about last minute um keith is one of my best friends a great friend of the band uh, shout out keith freeman shout out his instagram lives um <laughs> god keith knows everybody yeah but it was he had like mentioned something about how they were playing some shows on the way to and from ldb um, and it turned out that the day of the year of the knife show was just going to be an off day for them between Cleveland and Vermont. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, do you want to come play this show with year of the knife? And like, obviously. Yeah. I, I think restraining order is just like the, the honestly, one of the best bands to get added onto that gig because it is just so heavy, the lineup. Uh, and just, I feel like having that pop, like, pure punk rock block of restraining yep. order it's it, it's perfect i think restraining order is the best straightforward band in hardcore right now like no bones about it yeah they can fit in anywhere and they always put on a good show anytime i've ever seen them like when we saw uh, ron when we saw them in uh, wilkes-barre and pat had just got off work and went straight to the show and played i was like geez even after right after work they're still upon a, a great performance I, I i love that band um everyone in that band is awesome so shout out restraining order and that's cool that they're going to be able yeah. to you know squeeze in there play with all those heavy bands yeah, yeah. they're they're so sick yeah but yeah so we you know we we had like a, a jam-packed like you know the june show was at the end of june so basically like effectively like july to early december so like basically like, like four four, and a half, four four and a half month um kind of playing all over and like all the shows were awesome like connecticut was great Cleveland, we played with Slug and Restraining Order. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was awesome. Um, the the show in Toronto was it was Cold Shoulders Toy Toys for Tots show that they put on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was just like insane so we kind of had like a really um after like a full year of like nothing we kind of had this like really jam-packed um time culminating with we played three like we played buffalo two out of three days and then syracuse to begin november we played buffalo with candy um the exhibition record release show with candy and smash and grab um uh, and true form from jacksonville and then we two days before that we played with undeath 200 stab wounds um and a, basically a whole bunch of buffalo and syracuse metal bands yeah uh, at casa di francesca yeah um, so, so like we had those two that was like a saturday and a, and a tuesday and then that weekend we went and played syracuse with darren life's question and standalone um so we were kind of like playing a lot and getting all over and we just kind of needed a little bit of a of a reset i think <laughs> yeah i mean realistically it's probably only a handful of shows less than 10 but when basically the whole band um works full-time can only really take so many days off yeah it feels like a lot yeah and you mentioned record release show uh do you guys have one planned for the upcoming new record fight to survive well uh i will probably want to get in, in contact with jared and trying to figure it out figure out a date on when potentially the records will sure be in yeah uh so we can kind of work around it you know we got some ideas yeah working on some stuff but for now you know our uh, first time playing a lot of these songs is going to be with year of the knife march 14th at cassidy francesca part of a two-day weekend or kind of midday actually hardcore uh midweek rather hardcore block 14th year of the knife missing link restraining order us deal with god then the next day same place dare karma uh smash and grab and standalone uh so just yeah. trying to duality of hardcore with the two days there. yeah we're kind of buffalo hardcore is kind of running running the gamut the, those two days and and a week before those um we're gonna have undeath coming back on their way to ldb um on a, a show with details to be announced so kind of march is shaping up to be really big and for our own purposes for our record release show like ron said uh once we have a, a clearer idea of when people will actually be getting the records and when we'll have them in hand um you know, we'll, we'll, we'll announce something. All right. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing for Buffalo hardcore. This has been awesome for me to finally be able to sit down with you guys to talk about final declaration, uh, because I've been wanting to do this for a really long time. So I'm happy that this day is finally here. The record, uh, you know, physical copies will be coming soon. Go stream the new single with Brody King and yeah th uh, and before we go pre uh, do you guys want to say anything else you have any uh, things you want to plug before we go um i mean you know like i said the, the day this drops is going to be the release um it's going to be streaming on no echo um for a week and then we'll be up on all streaming services after that um so shout out no echo and carlos for for doing Amazing. a premiere again um you know they're they're great over there um i personally would like to just you know shout out and plug um buffalo hardcore you know exhibition smash and grab spaced pin violent way um what world on fire old ghost kind of pure heel we, we have this this really diverse hardcore scene um hardcore punk scene going here right now um 
and then obviously while giving thanks to the the bands of the past of buffalo hardcore you know malfunction rhinoceros every time i die zero tolerance things like that because um, that that stuff is really who made us who we are uh and based on the timeline he gave this should be out on friday the 11th so that would mean tomorrow would be the 12th this will be super outdated uh soon but uh, if you're in the area in buffalo definitely come out uh cassidy francesca uh, exhibition never again science man and pure heel right yep uh it's a benefit show for drew for his medical uh costs you know he's gonna have a long road to recovery we want to do everything we can to support him if you can't make it out to the show uh, it, like you said, there will be a link for the GoFundMe for Drew and Jin uh, in the description. If that's still up, definitely recommend uh, throwing some bones their way. They got a long road ahead of them. So want to do everything we can to make it easier. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Buffalo Hardcore, current, past, present, future, uh, and Syracuse Hardcore. Um, both those cities really shaped me as a person and to uh, – you know, my understanding of music and how it functions in a community. So yeah. And shout out Tom Dom. Yeah. Shout out Tom Dom. I want to <laughs> give a shout out to Keith Freeman, Josh Allen, Taco Bell, and Mr. Sizzles. Yeah. All right. Well, there you guys have it. I seriously appreciate your time. Thank you for everybody who tuned in. Goodbye. <laughs>